0: Many thanks for joining me on this episode of the Heart Podcast. My name is Dr. James Rudd. I'm the digital media editor at Heart, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Professor Pierre Lambiazzi from University College London and Barts Heart Centre, also in London. Pierre, many thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast.
1: Uh, Thank you for inviting me.
0: And Pierre, you've recently written a comprehensive education in Heart article all about tachycardiomyopathy. Uh, For the listeners of the podcast, Pierre, perhaps you could just start off by telling us what you mean by tachycardiomyopathy, or I think I might abbreviate that to TCM, if that's okay.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, tachycardiomyopathy is a relatively old term that's been used to describe impaired left ventricular function due to a rapid heart rate. And this could be due to either supraventricular tachycardias, um, atrial tachycardias, atrial fibrillation, or ventricular ectopics, or ventricular tachycardia. The, this term is, we're changing our terminology now because we realize that people don't have to be in, in incessant tachycardia or fast heart rate to um, cause this left ventricular impairment. And actually it's the arrhythmia that's important. So there's a newer term that's come to light called arrhythmia-induced cardiomyopathy. So patients can have non-sustained arrhythmias or just transient ectopic beats that can also cause left ventricular dysfunction and we call that arrhythmia-induced cardiomyopathy. This can be on the background of normal LV function that's been made worse by the arrhythmia itself or the fact the patients already have impaired LV function and then it gets even more severe because of the arrhythmia and it can be quite difficult to unpick whether it's the background of abnormal um, function in the first place or the arrhythmia itself that's causing the problem.
0: And I guess because it uh, is something that often goes along with pre-existing heart failure, it's it's hard to know exactly how common it is. But do you have any any idea? Is, is this a really common thing or is this something that's as rare as hen's teeth that they only see in specialist uh, centres?
1: certainly not as rare as hen's teeth. I think it's certainly more common than normally recognised because often the heart failure is put down to the fact the patient's got impaired LV function and it's becoming increasingly recognised now as an important etiology one needs to treat And exclude to try and optimize LV function.
0: Uh, You talk also about how this condition can uh, really bring down the response of patients to CRT uh, pacing. Yes. Can you just expand a little bit more on that?
1: Yeah so that's really interesting because um, CRT itself um, obviously we've got great evidence to indicate it improves LV function outcomes hospitalizations and even mortality and the if patients have ventricular ectopy, it means that the device can't continue to synchronize um, the ventricle on every beat. And you only need a very um, small percentage of ventricular ectopic um, beats to cause the um, CRT to be less effective. And uh, in the article, I talk about a, a paper published in New England Journal of Medicine, which demonstrates that um, percentage is as low as 0.1 and 0. of ectopic beats are enough to lead to a significant reduction in LV um, function and percentage of um, CRT. So if you certainly have less than 97% CRT capture or resynchronization from your pacemaker, which you can read from the device download, due to ectopy, you should really be aiming to try and optimize the CRT by ideally ablating the ectopics if you can um, to get um, if you've seen LV dysfunction progressing as a result of lack of this percentage CRT pacing.
0: And so you say it's caused by the presence of an arrhythmia. Now, is it is it the speed of the arrhythmia or the length of time that the arrhythmia has been present or the irregularity of the arrhythmia? Are these factors uh, all important or is one more dominant than the other do you think?
1: Uh, well, certainly, um, the, there's been a lot of debate over the years about how fast does the heart rate have to be to cause a tachycardiomyopathy, and the general consensus is certainly over uh, 100 beats per minute. The, the 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 duration of the arrhythmia, usually you start to see impairments in left ventricular function after about six weeks to three months um, in patients. Um, in a way, it's similar to when you have CRT for heart failure, you see... Um, an improvement in heart function over six weeks to three months and it's similar with the tachycardiomyopathies, but the decline can be more rapid than that The other um, issue is the burden of the arrhythmia and that really depends on the, the type of arrhythmia we're talking about So if people are getting ventricular topics, Then the general consensus looking at the literature is if you've got more than 10% of your heart rhythm with ventricular rectopics then it's more likely that uh, uh, this is going to cause a significant impairment in LV um, function and needs to be um, thought about.
0: And uh, presumably this is important to diagnose because, as you say in your article, it's, uh, it's often reversible uh, with appropriate treatment.
1: Yeah, that's right. So if you target the arrhythmia um, and get the patient back into sinus rhythm for the majority of the time or eliminate the arrhythmia, you can have uh, significant improvements in LV function or even normalisation of LV function. And actually, it depends on the groups of patients you're looking at. So if patients with atrial tachycardias, for example, up to a third of them may have a tachycardiomyopathy caused by the atrial tachycardia, which could actually be reversible. And similarly, with ventricular maybe up to a third of patients who have a high ectopic burden will have a significant LV um, dysfunction.
0: And do we know the underlying mechanism of of how the LV dysfunction arises in the context of of TCM?
1: Yeah, so most of the data for that comes from animal studies. And it's it's probably a combination of factors, certainly the heart being consistently um, tachycardic or dysrhythmic. Um, can lead to calcium overload in the cells and also um, cell death and that's it's thought to be one of the um, factors that leads to Dysfunction and also there's altered energy metabolism within the myocytes making them less efficient um, and therefore um, Triggering LB dysfunction in combination with subclinical ischemia um, In a proportion of patients.
0: Okay, and um, how do you generally go about trying to make the diagnosis?
1: Well, essentially, the you can get, um, obviously, the key thing is to, to, to do a halter and look at the burden of the arrhythmia and the rate of the arrhythmia. Um, and second of all, if you actually look at the echocardiogram, you'll often see that the um, LV is significantly impaired, but not particularly dilated. Um, and certainly, if you don't see lots of... Um, marked re- regional wall motion abnormalities or areas of um, severe um, hypokinesis or akinesis in the ventricle, this suggests you've probably got recoverable myocardium, which um, could be salvaged with optimising the heart rhythm.
0: Okay, so a poorly functioning but still relatively normal sized ventricle is a, is a clue. Um, okay, and what about the usefulness of cardiac MRI? You, you talk about this quite a lot in your review.
1: Yeah, so MR can be helpful for looking at the LV size, looking for any evidence of ischemia, and also looking for evidence of fibrosis. But um, the, although the MR techniques are getting better with newer techniques to look for increases in in um, extracellular mass or extracellular volume, it's gadolinium late enhancement may not necessarily pick up diffuse fibrosis in the ventricle. Um, But it can be helpful if you you see large areas of patchy fibrosis will indicate there's less reversibility of the myocardium.
0: And in the in the review, you put uh, two or three very nice clinical vignettes of of different patients, different ages and Mm -hmm. indeed different causative arrhythmias. Uh, And that leads me into to asking you how you treat it. And of course, this is going to be dependent, I suppose, on the underlying cause of the arrhythmia. Are there any take-home messages that you let, let's say, for example, the commonest kind, maybe with uh, poorly controlled atrial fibrillation yeah. of recent onset yeah. in a in a fifty-year-old yeah. person? Would you have any general yeah. guidelines as to how you'd go about treating that?
1: Yeah, so certainly, if you if, for example, you're not sure whether the AF is causing the LV impairment, the the simplest um, thing to do is to place a patient on an antiarrhythmic um, drug to um, either try and cardiovert them chemically or um, the rate control them, say with a beta blocker in the first instance, and then do a DC cardioversion. And if you see that the LV recovers, um, even if it's for a short period of time, back to normal rhythm, that's an indication that the AF is causing um, the significant LV impairment. And then if that's the case, then you either continue with medical treatment to maintain normal rhythm. Or undertake an ablation procedure to keep them in normal rhythm. So with their early onset AF, a PV isolation procedure would be a very reasonable approach with good
0: outcomes. Okay and just to finish off, um, what would you say are the areas of active research in this condition that people should look out for?
1: Yeah I think the the key areas now are, particularly with atrial fibrillation, we know that uh, returning patients to sinus rhythm will improve their LV function and then there's uh, a lot of interest in whether you can do that with ablation or undertaking an AV node ablation and CRT device to norm- try and normalise LV function. And that's still an area of active research um, because there's any limited s- small trial- trials that have been undertaken in that area. And then there's still um, debate about trying to differentiate between Um, Patients who've got an early form of cardiomyopathy, which is independent of the ectopy or um, arrhythmia and imaging techniques to try and identify those patients most likely to respond to an ablation or rhythm based strategy rather than a pure pharmacological strategy for their heart failure.
0: Okay, so it seems that this is a really uh, interesting and fast developing field and Mm -hmm. um, uh, people like yourself, electrophysiologists are going to be busy, I think, over the next few years uh, treating this thank you very much indeed right. uh, pierre for for joining me on this episode of the podcast i'll put a link to the published paper uh, in the show notes thank for the you. podcast and uh, encourage everybody to go and uh, to go and read it it's it's really good i learned a lot from reading it myself particularly figure seven where pierre and claire martin the the co-author give a very nice overview of the uh, the broad management strategy to apply thanks very much indeed pierre for joining me thank you pleasure